0: You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We, the, nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 360, we're discussing the movie experience. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Sanjay. Well, looky who we have here. (laughs) If it isn't the physical media and movie-going king, Sanjay himself. Back on the podcast. My friend, how are you doing? And welcome back to the Nerd Room.
1: Thank you, my good man. Yeah, it's been a minute, eh? It's been a while. Um, Yeah, doing well. Um, Can't complain, you know, just living my life, collecting that physical media. Looking smarter by the day. (laughs) That's all the gray hair and the glasses (laughs) because I can't see as well anymore, but uh, we'll go with that. (laughs) Hey, we're
0: all gray. I'm talking about your, your pivot years ago to physical media and really the movie experiences. Well, all of us throughout the pandemic and this very turbulent time with the movie experience all shifted over towards digital media and streaming services. The man in front of me here, Sanjay, said nope i'm staying true to physical media going back and collecting laser discs and vhs's 4k blu-ray whatever there was he got it and now we're living in a world where things are disappearing out of streaming services and he who holds the copy on vhs is now king (laughs) (laughs) that's right i wouldn't not not maybe not for quality here but uh sanjay has been advocating for years for physical media And really advocating for the movie-going experience. You go back to the pandemic days, and he is one of the people that stood true and said, nope, the film-going experience will survive and will prevail. Well, myself said, "Ah, ah-ah. And here we are where we got, as we talked about last week with Ian and Zeddy, We've got a massive slate of movies. And so we're here this week actually to break some of that down, given what we have in front of us in 2023, what is behind us with the pandemic, and what's even further back with our really start, the beginning of our journey of film going. We're going to kind of walk through all of that. You know, Sanjay came to me and said, I'd really like to talk about the movie experience, starting from. When you and I both started going to see movies as young children, right through to what we experienced over the last couple of years and maybe what the future is for the movie going experience. So that's what this episode is going to be like. It's going to be a little bit of a breakdown of, of all of that and really trying to just dig into that and seeing what you guys relate to, what you guys experienced as children as well. So Sanjay, talk to me a little bit about the movie experience and what it is for you. What What's your personal history in theaters?
1: oh yeah me and theaters go way back like um it's just like this like such a special place in my heart like i remember as a kid um going to see batman forever on the big screen um i was probably way too young when it when when i saw it, but like just seeing seeing it you know batman 60 feet tall and like i had watched batman like cartoons and stuff uh, on my tv at home but when you see him on the big screen and you see the riddler and two-face and robin and all that action on the big screen it just like blew me away like i was like hooked for life after that the the theater experience like nothing beats it for me um ever since i was a kid like i've always said like this well maybe i as a kid i didn't say but like i always think like the theater is the way to go and i have so many like experiences just like random experiences that like i don't know if they're like kind of like core memories just like like, just randomly, like, I remember going to see The Pagemaster for my little brother's birthday at, like, <laughs> this, like, dinky theater in, like, this mall in Calgary. It was probably, like, running at the Dollar Theater at that time. But, like, I remember, like, going to see it. Like, I don't even remember the movie itself at this point. It's been years since I've seen it. But, like, I just remember that experience of, like, getting the popcorn, getting the seats you know, going down and getting it. And as a kid, like when you go to a theater, it, it's just so it's so grand, right? Like you you go check it out and it's just like, I said, like nothing, nothing can compare to, to that experience. Like what are you, some of your like earliest memories as a kid? Um Sorry, but I just actually remembered. Another one was James Bond. I remember James Bond going to it because my dad was like the biggest James Bond fan. And like, he took like, all three of his sons he like gave my mom the, the night off of parenting that day i guess so me and like my three brothers all went to see james bond i don't think it was goldeneye it was a pierce brosnan film i can't even remember which one it was but um it was the one with terry hatcher so if you're a big bond guy <laughs> um i because i was like oh lois lane is in james bond because she was lois lane at the time on tv and um yeah like that's just like a like a core memory for me it's just like seeing. A film with my dad um, in the theater with like his sons, like that's just like a special memory for me. And uh, yeah, so um, Tim, like, what are your, some of your earliest memories hitting up well, the theater? A-
0: Echo a lot about what you said about that the, the concept of an experience. You know, we often refer to things as the film-going experience and that being the thing that was held up as something we all wanted to get back to because it is, in its essence, an experience. And there's a few things along the path of my life that really emphasize that aspect of it. And the first being is that it is something that every kid and every person listening right now you could probably nail down one of the first movies you saw. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's things that like, do you remember the first time you got on a rink and skated? Do you remember the first time that you you know, went to a water park? Do you, remember, you know those things might exist? But I think a lot of people just remember that first film going experience or the, the the idea of going like, I remember walking our the town I grew up in had at what was called a cinema for had four theaters, mm-hmm. the worst seats ever. <laughs> Yeah, I remember once I had this experience that I remember from it, pulling down one of the seats and like the center of it was like all dug out. Oh, and I thought it was like an animal or something It scared <laughs> the hell out of me. That's creepy. And like this is like one of those ones, like barely sloped. If someone yeah. big sat in front of you, you could not see yeah. the screen properly in front of them. But I remember going there so many times
1: mm-hmm. until
0: it eventually shut down and a big cineplex opened in the town. Yeah. And the things that I remember from there, I remember in 95, 96, 97, when all the Star Wars movies were coming out and the posters I remember, but it was really 97 that I remember. And like most things in my nerd life, it all kind of goes back to Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. And this was, of course, The Lost World in 97. It was the first movie I saw with my friends alone, I think.
1: Oh, that's a big deal.
0: Yeah, and it was, I think, the first movie I had ever seen twice in theaters. So that was The Lost World, Jurassic Park. I had gone, I believe, with my dad, and then I went with three buddies. And there's a very particular scene in there where a raptor jumps out. Yeah. And I remember all three of us had our feet on the seats in front of us, and we all jumped and pushed and shoved the seat in front of us forward. <laughs> like, that's how crappy this theater was. But, like, that lives in my brain as an yeah. experience. Right. And then... As I was a little older, again, coming back to Jurassic Park 3 at this point. I can't remember what year that came out. In 2001, I was, I believe in, I was in middle high school, late high school. I don't know where I was. But my dad and I went and saw a double feature of Jurassic Park 3 and King Kong.
1: Oh, and like the original ate, King Kong?
0: No, it was like the new Peter Jackson King Oh,
1: okay. Kong. Yeah, yeah.
0: And so we did double feature, like six hours worth of movies. Him and I went and had dinner we had the popcorn, we had the food, went mm-hmm. and saw Jurassic Part Three, and then what or and then King Kong and it was just a whole day yeah. made up of that. And like my dad and I have this connection through film and particularly through like Back to the Future and all that. Mm-hmm. But we always made time to go and see particular movies, I think we went and saw Jurassic World together as well. And so I had this like beautiful link with my father similar to you Mm -hmm. about just going out and watching and experiencing these films. And so like you, it it is just just this beautiful experience that lives on. I just took my daughter to her first MCU movie this past weekend. We went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy. And it was an experience for me. Like that movie is an experience in itself. Like I cried like three times it. I'm trying, to, <laughs> yeah. trying to hide it from my daughter. Like
1: there's yeah. Yeah, like something in daddy's eye. Don't look. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: just, just, just dust and all that. Yeah. And, and I've always said with the theaters too, it is the last place on planet earth today mm-hmm. that you go and do one thing. You don't pull out your phone. But you, you don't shouldn't get pull out your up. phone. You should never. <laughs> you, don't, you don't go and have a pee or you shouldn't go have a pee. Yeah. And you go there to do one thing. You go there to watch a movie. Think mm-hmm. of think of everything you do every day in life. Yeah. When you jump in a cab, when you go sit down for a dinner, when you go talk to friends, your phone's out. There's something going on, on the TV. You're conversing with someone watching a hockey game at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're never doing one thing. You're driving and listening to a podcast. You're never doing one thing. The experience you get in cinema, you're doing one thing. And I love that three hours of the break from the big world. Well put. And so that that's that's kind of where the experience is. And like a couple years ago, man, you remember talking to this, talking to me about this, like the COVID experience. And I was like, ah, I'm never going back. <laughs> I don't consider any single film I watched in my basement on my big screen an it, experience.
1: Yeah, it, it's just different. Like. You talk about Wonder Woman 84, it came out and like everyone watched it opening day because it was like, it came out like in December of COVID, like at the height of COVID and the restrictions. So like everyone that watched it that I know watched it at home. And like, there's just no, it's just, I mean, quality aside, like I think it's a decent (laughs) film. I don't think it's as good as Wonder Woman, like the first one, but like there's no like cultural impact implant or uh, imprint um for for that film you know like it just like even if it was didn't live up to expectations there's still like some culture like uh imprints of like films like that like Spider-Man 3 we all saw it like in theaters we all saw mm-hmm. it together we were all kind of let let down uh at, at the same time but with Wonder Woman 84 like i feel like um as well like it kind of played a part in how we received that movie because we oh, weren't yeah. in a big theater. We weren't with like people that we didn't know, you know, like sometimes there's a, there's some scenes in there where, you know, people would have like cheered or like laughed at, or, you know, you would have had like a communal experience. And I think it would have been better received if that movie had played out in theaters, as opposed to everyone just watching it at home by themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and, like another example, and I have a long history of this movie, but I think playing it in theaters that's Zack Snyder's Justice, like it would have played different. Would, like you said, it would have had a different imprint on society if it had played on the big screen. Yes, I don't want to sit for four hours in a movie, <laughs> but nonetheless, I think it would have it would have the experience would have been different. Like you think back to like the Force Awakens experience, mm-hmm. the endgame experience, the Infinity War experience, like all those are a lot of those recent experiences, but you go back even further to the Avatar stuff and and Titanic and all of that. Like there's a massive imprint on society, and on pop culture because of those films and the experiences that people had. Most people, to be honest with you, 1997 can tell you when and where they saw Titanic.
1: Yeah, Crowfoot Theater with my whole family. Uh, Elementary school. I was in elementary school. I still remember it.
0: Yeah, I went with my my dad, my buddy's mom, and my buddy. (laughs) We're the only four people in our neighborhood who hadn't seen the movie. And one Friday night, we're like, well, I guess we're all going to see Titanic. My dad and I, not titanic go to watch together kind of guys yeah. but i went i remember who i saw that movie with yeah and yeah. like avatar i was alone mm-hmm. when i lived in london england i went and saw it because i was like Ugh, everyone's seen this movie i guess i should go see it yeah popped on the 3d glasses in this giant theater in london england but uh-huh. like i remember you remember those experiences i couldn't tell you The first time i played baseball or anything like that the first concert i even really went to yeah but like in some people could with concerts but Mm -hmm. for me it's always like i can tell you when and where the very specific things with with movies and i bet you a lot of people get
1: so you mentioned experiences and you know we're you know talking about the movie experience to me one of the best experiences in a theater is that opening day when you go in everyone has expectations no one knows if they're going to enjoy it or not yet like no one's seen it it's like kind of this like secret like you feel special that you're the first people in, in your city that you get to like see this movie so there's the anticipation there's the build-up you know th- there's just like this like electricity in the crowd um you know they used to do it on the midnight showings on thursday at midnight and then they moved it now, so they, it keeps getting pushed back. So now it's, like, Thursday, midday. And even, like, some movies are Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you stand on this? Do you wish they would go back? I mean, they they would never go back because it makes too much money. But, like, do you kind of... I kind of miss the just the Thursday at midnight showing. Like, it was a true commitment to get your ass to a theater and watch it at midnight. And, like, you know, I, I they, they shut it off before I started working. You, you know, so maybe, mm-hmm. like, I would be less inclined if i was still like having to work and go to a midnight showing but like when i was in university like i'd have no bones about like oh yeah i'm just gonna you know i'll just get the notes you know i'll just skip like my first class and like i'll go to midnight showing of the dark Knight, right like do do you miss i kind of miss that like i i don't know i i doubt they'll ever bring it back because i said it makes too much money but like what are your thoughts on that
0: I to be honest with you, right now in life, and you probably are similar. Yeah, between uh, work it, and kids it, yeah. and family, there's no chance I'm no. going to a midnight. <laughs> I see something past nine o'clock, and I'm like, e-, like I've gone to a couple nine o'clock films, yeah, and definitely doze off part way through them, like Thor: Love and Thunder. I fell asleep for sure in the middle of that movie. And <laughs> well, I, was that's like, just I was like, like
1: the quality of the film I mean.
0: <laughs> likely had contributed to it, but going after nine wasn't a great thing. But I like you, when I was younger, like I went to midnight for every, everything
1: mm-hmm. we went
0: to midnight for all the star Wars stuff. And, and I, the la- one of the last ones I, I really remember seeing, cause I don't think star Wars is actually at midnight. Is that one of the transformers ones. Oh, okay. And, and it was one of the ones where optimus ends up with a bunch of stuff on him I don't know which one that is but I definitely remember falling asleep and then waking up and being like what the hell is Optimus got all (laughs) over him (laughs) having no clue how he got it all over yeah and so the midnight experience it was cool yeah for a period of time in my life Mm -hmm. now I I really like that Thursday eight o'clock showing time and I think a lot of it is because generally you get fans in the theater and you're experiencing it with like-minded people. I think that's the cool part of it. Like mm-hmm. Endgame was like that. The Force Awakens was like that. You get the gasps in the theater at the start of, or at the end of Infinity War. Um, and so those were experiences opening night, that Thursday window. Mm-hmm. Now I just don't have the time to do it. And I get jealous of people that have already seen The Flash. Yeah. That record these fan screenings that don't really exist in Canada. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm kind of of two minds. I like the early showings. And I like the fan experience with them, but realistically, am I ever going, like, it took me three weeks to see Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, I was, like, one of its biggest supporters in 2014, and here I just (laughs) saw it. And so I I like the idea, Mm -hmm. but, and I like the idea of, like, fan screenings and all that but I'm never going to get to them. Like, is that something that you still would consider is a midnight movie? Because if so, you're a crazy man.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because like, um, if you know, like I live right next to a theater. So like, it's a five minute drive for me. I can like pretty much see it from my house. So um, with with the new apps that they have, like the Adam app in Canada, where you can just pick your seat like five minutes before, you know, 10 minutes before a movie and just scroll up to it. Um, I actually did that for Babylon. I was supposed to go at nine. And if you've seen the movie, it's a three hour movie. I was supposed to go at nine, but then my kids were like having trouble, like settling down. And so I, I pushed it off and then I ended up going to the 1030 showing or 1015 show. And like, I went to it and like, that was a three hour movie. And like, so it wasn't done till like one, one in the morning, Oof. but I was like, I was like riveted to the theater. Cause I love that movie. I think it's like one of the best films of last year. So I think if the movie was good, you know, I might like bite the bullet, you know, maybe take a vacation the next day and, and do it. Like if The Flash was only a midnight only show, I might I might bite the bullet and do it. But it would have to be something special. Like it mm-hmm. wouldn't just be like, oh, this new film's coming out. It's like, yeah, it would have to be like something that really like had my interest to do the midnight show. Otherwise, I'd probably just say, you know what, I'll, I'll just go on just go on the Friday or on the weekend or whenever, you know?
0: Well, that that's changed a lot because if you go back to the years, of the MCU pre kids and all that for us, like we mm-hmm. were at midnight for all of them. I remember going for our friend's wedding down in Mexico. And that was right around when Iron Man three came out and we're like sprinting to the theater to see that before jumping on a plane to go to Mexico. And <laughs> so h- how, how have your habits changed? You know, we've, we talked about the midnight showing now that we have kids And now in a post and pre COVID world, Mm -hmm. where does where does your habit go? Because like for me, I've gone to I'm going to see this on Sunday night or Monday night or something like that. Like I Mm -hmm. rarely will get to the theater on opening weekend proper. Like I won't be counted in the domestic opening weekend box office because I go so late on Sundays or I go Monday morning or some or Monday afternoon or something Mm -hmm. like that if I have the time to do that. So my me sprinting to theaters is a thing of the past. Like, are you still going like as the flash comes out here in a couple of weeks, I might make an exception for that. Yeah. But like, are, are you still going to the theaters to hit that opening weekend? Or are you a bit more kind of relaxed about I'll see it when I see it?
1: Um, I'm actually pretty good on opening weekends because of that Thursday at like, you know, sometimes I'll show it at six even or eight. Um, so for black Adam, I, I did go see that opening day. It was a Thursday. Um, Shazam 2. I can't remember. I did see that opening day. Um, Even Morbius I saw opening day, actually. <laughs> you go. Yeah, I had to go Morbin time. <laughs> For me, it, it's just because it's so convenient because the theater's right there. Mm-hmm. And I can just get tickets. Like, once the kids are down, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to go, you know. Or, like, even, like, um, you know, I'll just be like, all right, well, I'm going to go to, you know, let my wife know. Like, okay, I'm going to go to the movie on this Thursday and then she'll just put the kids down by herself. So like, because the theater's right there, it is like pretty easy for me to go. But if the theater was like a 20 minute, 30 minute drive or something, it it would be a little bit tougher for me to make that. But because it is right there, you know, if it, and like for all the DC films, I've seen them, I think pretty much just trying to think opening day for pretty much all of them. Um, yeah, even like Birds of Prey, like that was pre-pandemic, but I did see that opening day. Um, so I am like pretty good for the DC films, but like films like Top Gun, I did see that in theaters, but that was like way after the fact. Mm-hmm. Or um, Scream Six, I saw that, but that was way after the fact. So it pretty much, unless it's like a DC film, I I I would just wait and just see it. Like after. actually, Babylon may have been opening weekend too. But it was pretty quiet, so.
0: <laughs> so you're, you're still you're still as you've always been committed to the movie going experience. You're still mm-hmm. pretty committed to like contributing to that opening weekend box office for the most part for for a lot of these films, and it's going to be tough to do that over the the next ten weeks or so. Yeah, kind of chronicled last week, but it, it's pretty wild. Now, I, I want to ask you something here before we get into kind of like talking about the streaming services and all that, and yeah. you know, its potential impact. On like short term and long term, you know, we've chronicled mm-hmm. that quite a bit here, but it's going to be interesting to continue to look back at this in light of what Disney's doing now and Max is doing and all that. But um, one of the things that you you kind of threw out there earlier for me was the innovations that theaters have done mm-hmm. in the past and continue to do, and where you kind of see that theater experience going. So, like everything from putting popcorn in the movie theaters was an innovation to get people there. We've got the big lazy boy seats. Now we've got the VIP 18 plus theaters. You're allowed to drink beer and alcohol in movie theaters in Canada. Now, you get a food service. 3D was a big thing for a while. Bigger Mm -hmm. sounds. We have shaking seats in some. We have the ability to pick and reserve our own seats. Remember, we couldn't do that. You had to line up like an idiot. Oh, like subscription passes. There's all this stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So. Of all these, you know, like these things, that are meant to to drive us to the movie theaters. And none of this, most of this, actually has nothing to do with the pandemic. A lot of this is just kind of gimmicky things that are meant to make or enhance the experience around it and keep people going back. So, of all those things I mentioned, which one's kind of your favorite? And also, where is or what's the next innovation that's going to get people to stay in the theaters?
1: Well, um, definitely my favorite would be the pre-booking seats. Yes. I, I remember, Huge. oh my goodness, like so many memories mm-hmm. of like, it was just stressful. So like you talk about our viewing habits when um me and my wife, or she was my girlfriend at the time, but um, when we were dating, we would go out for like dinner and a movie, like a lot. Like that's kind of what we did. Mm-hmm. Like we went to maybe four movies a month. Like, you know, we we saw a ton of movies and like, it didn't even matter what was in theaters. It was just something to do. Right something to get out of the house and so we'd just be like what's playing this week oh that looks kind of cool okay we'll go see it and um so you go dinner in a movie you would get the seats but it was so stressful because you could never time it correctly you'd either go there rush through dinner you would go to the slam you know run to the theater and then there'd be like the theater would be empty and you're like oh great why did we you know rush or you take your time at dinner and then you get there and you'd have like two seats at the front and the theater would be packed, mm. and then you'd be like, ah, oh, man, like you're trying to like spot out. I remember one time I had to ask like a couple to move <laughs> one seat over because like they were like you know, there was like a space, two people in the space, and I was like, just <laughs> like move one over so that we could sit here. um But yeah, definitely like the pre book like uh, as well. Like I remember with Spider Man three that came out, and you know we talked about like opening day and like seeing it as a as a collective. I remember I, I like skipped all my university classes because I wanted to be the first one to be there and so i sat there all day i got my tickets and they're like you know this movie doesn't start for like seven hours sir and i'm like no spider-man is my jam Uh, you know the first two sam raimi films like i love them like they were so like key to like my childhood and and growing up and so like i was like i sat there all day and then i was the first one in line and i got the seats and then it was such a such a disappointment (laughs) after watching that But for me, it's the pre-booking seats. Like, that is just so key. And as I mentioned, like, you can just go see, oh, okay, there's seats there. Or, you know, or maybe it's too busy. You know, this time it's too busy. So I'll go check the next one kind of thing. Um, Where do I think it's going? One of the things I was thinking is, like, what about, like, you know, I don't necessarily, like, like all this stuff. Like, I'm more like a a movie. I guess I would call myself, like, a movie purist. I don't know, but, like if i'm going to see a movie i don't want my seats to be shaking
0: you know like this seems
1: just kind of like gimmicky to me or like sometimes they will have like you know so the the screen would be so big you miss some of the action because it's so big like you got to like turn around and check it and then you're like
0: up the left up to the right yeah. yeah
1: yeah so like you know these innovations like some of them like i think are pretty cool like the seats and like the food is pretty good i've never gotten food or like been to the 18 plus liter or like drank at a movie i feel like that would just make me tired to be honest with you um but you know maybe like virtual reality like headsets or something like you know we talk about 3d and um how that's kind of like you know like you immerse yourself in the movie i could see like something where it's like maybe like some virtual reality like augmentation goggles where you see it and it's like better 3d so it's like you know it feels or maybe you can like you can grab it and you can move stuff so like if there's a scene where actors are talking maybe you could like grab like a shrub and like move it or you know i don't even <laughs> know but or you could like change the lighting or something that's just i i could see that like what do you think like, what's your favorite innovation that they've come i
0: mean well it's it there's just been So many in the last, I'd say, decade, like a lot of those things I I rattled off there are relatively recent in Canadian theaters. Mm -hmm. I got a funny story about drinking alcohol in a theater. So like (laughs) you, I rarely do it because then you don't have to go pee and all that kind of stuff. But the first time they allowed it, this is theater here, the Chinook, it was traditionally kind of the big theater in the city. Now it's not so great, but... (laughs) It's good, yeah. (laughs) you, You go up and I remember I was up with my youngest daughter and my wife. They were going to see a Disney movie or something. And I was peeling off to go see a a one of the MC movies. This was mm-hmm. I don't know this was before. is Maybe let's call this like six, seven years ago. Okay. Anyways, you walk up and there's this booth there and they're selling beer. I'm like, what is this? Because it used <laughs> to be behind like a VIP wall. You yep. could only drink in this one little spot and you weren't allowed to take the booze into the theater.
1: Right. It's like,
0: this is amazing. So I went and strutted up, grabbed a Bud Light or whatever it was. I walked into the theater and I got this tall can of Bud Light, crack it open. And I'm sitting in this big theater, mm-hmm. MCU film, full of families and everybody is staring at me like <laughs> I am some idiot who brought in alcohol. What a degenerate. Exactly. But people were like I don't think people like understood it at that point in time and yeah. I'm kind of being like this is allowed like I bought it out there. <laughs>
1: yeah. You need like, like a I'm,
0: sticker I'm, or something. Yeah, cuz well like as a teenager which I'm sure you did, we used to sneak booze into the movie theaters all the time. And, I I never did I never did that. No. Oh, I like I remember going to see I wasn't even a teenager, I was in university, like going to see like the hangover or something. Oh, okay. And, yeah, I
1: can see at a comedy that yeah, that Yeah, is, and yeah. so like like
0: silly stuff like that. Yeah. But this one, I was by myself, just drink and I drank it as fast as I could and shoved it underneath the seat. And I was like, (laughs) enough of this. I'm tired of being judged. Yeah. But the alcohol, I'm like all that, I can, the idea of the 18 plus is kind of cool. I've been to a couple of those where you can order food and you just push a button and it comes type thing. But again, it's gimmicky. It doesn't really enhance the overall experience, Mm -hmm. but the pick your seat, I'm with you there. That's like my favorite. I remember as... Not as not as far back as 2015, I think, for The Force Awakens, when you booked, that was one of the first movies you could really do that with. I was like, oh, yeah. my God, we get to uh, reserve all the seats. And, and now it's just common. But that wasn't a thing. I remember lining up for things. And I remember going and buying in 2005 my tickets for Revenge of the Sith like three weeks in advance and then like <laughs> yeah. tucking them in a safe spot. And then going to the, I remember pulling up the day they were released and buying those tickets and having the little stubs and then hid them away until the movie debuted. And so, yeah, the picking your seats, I'll sometimes it'll be 830 or it'll be eight o'clock and I'll be like, I'm going to see an 830 movie and I'll Mm -hmm. book my seat like right then and there as I'm like on the way and then hop in, boom, it it makes life so much simpler.
1: It's so good. You uh, Um, mentioned the Chinook Theater um just as a quick story like we saw the force awakens and i don't know how but you managed to pick up like 30 tickets for us like you used to buy them in 10
0: board. 10 people swaths because you're only like i would buy them my wife would buy them and then i'd buy another round
1: yeah like that was crazy like i don't know how you guys pulled that off because that movie the hype was so big for that we film. were like
0: seconds and it was during like super bowl or something and oh no no it wasn't a super bowl i don't know what it was during it yeah. was election
1: oh okay, it was an election
0: yeah. here in alberta Oh. And I remember it was like we were on and boom, God, like it was such an experience just doing that. And it, it was it was awesome. I think the mat, biggest we ever did, I think, was either The Force Awakens or Rogue One. I think it was Force Awakens, About 30, I think it was 32 tickets we ended up. Yeah,
1: buying. that was crazy. That was such a fun time because there were so many people that we knew and like everyone went and like even people that I don't think they were like the biggest Star Wars fans, but it was just like an event that like it was a could, huge event. Yeah. yeah
0: and like and I think that's that's where I see the theaters going. Like I don't know how much more gimmicky things that they can do. I don't like 3D. I avoid 3D me too. I don't like wearing the glasses and I find it you get reflections off them and to me, it does not enhance the experience. It actually detracts from it. and so mm-hmm. I don't enjoy that. I'll choose a 2D anytime I can. I love the big seats, but I think the way they have to go, and this is like an industry thing is the re-emergence of the true blockbusters, the event films. I think going back to that formula and you see the MCU doing, it, you're seeing Star Wars doing, it, you're seeing DC do it where everyone's pulling back a little bit and trying to make the experience special again. And I think that's the next innovation is actually reverting back to those late 90s, those early 2000s where we only in, you know, it's never really going to be where we get less, but it's more the films that go to theaters are the event films, the flash, the Batman, Endgame, star Wars. You know what I mean? Like these films that the top guns, avatars, stuff like that. Like we can't continue to go down a path where we get four or five MCU films a year, or, you know, when we're getting a star Wars film like every single year, it just, there, there almost needs to be, a, a reflection back and a re acknowledgement of like the true blockbuster like this line of movies we got coming out this year I think is a consequence of the pandemic a bit this is kind of our last year of everything shuffling together but to have 10 to 15 blockbuster caliber movies coming out one by one by one by one like that's taking away from the experience because I'm, I'm only going to see one or two of the 10 to 15 blockbuster scale films that are coming out this year. Mm-hmm. And so like, you, I think you want to have less in the theaters and you want to have people going and being like, well, it's fast 10 and it's the only movie that's going to be playing for the next three weeks. Let's go check it out because it looks kind of fun. Right. But I'm going to wait and say, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going to do this. Maybe I'll do across the spider verse. Or if I just wait another week or two, Indiana Jones Five fives, you know what I mean? Like they're just too much. And so I think, like, the innovation is actually going back to the experience.
1: Yeah, no, like, you brought up some good points. Like, it definitely seems like that's the way it's going. Like, you look at films, like, back in the day, a film like Wedding Crashers made, like, 100 million... I don't know if it did, but, like, made, like, close to $100 million. It was just, like, this, like, small comedy. And you don't really see that anymore. Even, like, some of the, like, superhero films, unless they're, like you know, the big event films, like you look at a film like Shazam 2, I thought it was perfectly fine, perfectly, you know, reasonable superhero film. It wasn't, didn't blow the doors off. It didn't reinvent the genre. It was just a double in in baseball terms. It wasn't a home run. It was a double. (laughs) And back in the day, you know, those doubles would make 200 million. And this, this movie made less than 60 million. Yeah. You know, like you look at some of the other films that made less than sixty million, like superhero films, they're all really bad or like really poorly received. Shazam 2 wasn't. Like critically, it was okay, it was middle of the road. Audience wise, it was pretty good. So but it wasn't an event. You know, it was just like, here's Shazam 2. And and I think a lot of people were just like, you know what? I could go see it. Like I like the first one, but I don't need to see it in theaters. You know, like, I'm just going to go wait to HBO Max when it comes out on HBO Max. And and you look at, like, some of the the movies you mentioned, like, making the event, the event film. It's kind of, like, interesting the way theaters are going. Because, like, when COVID hit, you know, we were like, is is are theaters even going to come back? And -hmm. then you got these, like, big movies that, like, got released. One of them was Spider-Man. And you look at the box office, gross, of, like, the opening weekend. And it's like, oh, theaters are back. You know, like, this is a healthy weekend gross when you add up all the top 10 films. But then when you look at the numbers, 91% of the box office of that week was just Spider-Man. So, mm-hmm. like, you're getting, like, big films. But is that really healthy? Like, you you go look at, like, some of, like, the big events, like Avatar, Spider-Man, Top Gun. And you look at, like, the theater. They're playing at, like, 4 o'clock, 4.05, 4.15, 4.30. Four forty-five, five, and it's just like constantly, like just one film that just like takes over the whole theater, and it's it is like phasing out the low budget, the indie films, the medium-sized movie, Ben Affleck's Air that came out, like it came in theaters. So Daniel. good! I watched
0: that. I watched that last night. Is good? Yeah, I really liked it.
1: I, see, I didn't even see it in theaters because like it's on was, Prime
0: for free night now.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Like I was like, well, I could see it, but I'll see it for free for Prime. You know, but, but like the the times weren't that great. I think it was playing at like nine o'clock, just like one day, just like one time, like nine o'clock. Like there was no option to see it. So I think that's a little bit concerning of like cinema. Like if we keep going down this path and I think like we kind of are because like cinemas and theaters need to make money, right? So they're going to mm-hmm. play the ones that are making money. So it's just like the way that like the audience is evolving and their tastes are evolving and their choices are evolving. Like I can see a time with like, you have uh say like a 10 theater cinema and say like a star Wars movie comes out. I could see like, you know, down the road that's playing in nine theaters or eight theaters, you know? And like the other two theaters are just like other random movies. Well, I, you know. I,
0: I wonder. And like, that's interesting. Kind of, it's an, it's a nice like juxtaposition to what I was just saying about this idea The importance of of event films, but Mm -hmm. the event films have to be supplemented or supported by, or I guess really the event films support all these other films that are coming out and going to to the theaters. But if I'm being completely honest with you, and like this is a question I want to pose to you, is like, do those smaller films will they continue to have a place in in theaters? And like for me, I was never going to in any scenario ever going to go see Air in the theaters and it's not because i didn't want to see it or i thought it was a bad film or, or the quality of it or whatever none of that factored into it it is for two reasons i don't have the time and it's not a film that i'm willing to spend the money on the 20 dollars to go and see when i know it's going to be dropping on a streaming service and i didn't know it was dropping on a prime but i saw it on prime for free with our delivery service yeah and i said to my wife we have to watch this because i've heard really good things about it mm-hmm. so it's, it's kind of a balance there too because I probably, I might not have ever even seen the movie if it was if I didn't have that exposure to it through a streaming service, mm-hmm. and I you know maybe if it dropped on Netflix someday I don't know if I would have ever seeked it out and rented it. And so for me as a film goer, and I'm not like a diehard got to see everything got experience it all type thing. I'm kind of a pick and choose my battles, but I'm seeing more of those smaller films because of streamers and and so there, there is some value there and I and I understand that these are built and made for cinema but like a story like air does it play any difference th- on the big screen than it does sing at home and, ex- and experience it there and I know that kind of goes against what I was saying earlier but the whole idea of wanting to experience it with fans and all this but I think some of those films are are just telling cool stories mm-hmm. and like true stories and I think I get more exposure to them because they're on streamers. So like for you, does streaming have a place in the whole landscape of cinema?
1: I I think it does. Like you bring up a good point. Like, you know, streaming is kind of just like breaking down barriers for people. Like maybe some people don't have theaters nearby, right? So they they have no other option. They have to Mm -hmm. either stream it. I'd prefer if they would rent like a physical copy or like buy a physical copy. Cause I just feel like that supports the film more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you look at a film like air and you look at the box office, I, I think it had like an insane budget, like way bigger than a movie like that needed to be. Let's just say, I think I heard 80 million, but let's just say for argument's sake, 80 million, that film only made like 20 million, 30 million at the box office. It back
0: made in, 80, $89 dollars on an eighty million dollar budget.
1: Okay, so that's not too bad. So it kind of like made back its budget. That's pretty good. Yeah. But like you know, like you a situation like that where it doesn't make back its budget, and then you go and you stream it, the movie doesn't really get any more revenue. You know, what I mean, like back in the day, you would have a movie that would come out, and then say maybe it underperformed a little bit but then like the blockbuster or video rentals plus the home video sales would like make it a hit. So that way if they did want to make a sequel, they have like the numbers behind it and then like, look, yeah, this didn't kill it at the box office, but when you add in the TV deals, the rental revenue and stuff like that, like that kind of supported the film and made it get a sequel. Um, but like streaming, um, yeah, like streaming, it, it is like, it is, Good in a way because you do get like exposure to more films, and you said like those like smaller films, um, or those like mid-sized films. But I feel like, you know, we've been talking a lot about the big theaters like the AMC's, the Cineplex, the Landmarks, um, the Cineworld, you know, those, those like big theaters that show big movies. But I think like one of the downsides of like streaming showing these like smaller movies is that they kind of are like phasing out the indie theaters mm-hmm. you know there's like one in Calgary called the Globe and i saw so many like independent films there back in the day like in the early 2000s and 2010s like films that made maybe 2 million dollars at the box office and, and you go and it's like kind of like an older theater it's kind of like the theater you're talking about like it's not run down but it is like an older theater like it's cool spot yeah like if you're in Calgary check out the Globe theater it's it's awesome and like they would also do like second run shows, So like movies like alien and stuff like that, but like a movie like the runaways, the runaways um, I saw that kind of like um, that was like a small film and it was just like, I don't know. Like I thought it was like cool to like see those smaller films in theaters. And I feel like you kind of got exposure to them. Like if you're looking for a movie to see and you look at like the, you know, back in the day, like the newspaper or something, you would see like oh, okay what's this runaways i've never even heard of it and then you would kind of like do a little bit of research and and find it now i feel like with so much stuff like going straight to streaming or like quickly to streaming you don't really have a chance like so many movies that like i'll look at lists of like the 10 best rom-coms of the last 10 years i haven't even heard of like five of them or six of them <laughs> you know what i mean i'm like and i'm like oh that sounds really interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to look to watch it. And it's like, it's on Netflix or it's on Amazon prime and stuff. It's like, okay, well I was going to buy it, but now I just watch it for free. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah.
0: It, it, it's interesting. There's a couple of things I want to, I want to touch on there that you yeah yeah kind of had light bulb moment when <laughs> we were talking through and, and we're going to, well I'll get back to kind of the marketing aspect of it, but I just want to revert back to some of your comments based on, on the streamers and the independent movie chains. And because mm-hmm. I used to always like go on to those that like the globe here and a f- the few others that show some cool stuff. But what's really killing them is the streamers one gobbling up some of the rights to these movies, yep. and to the likes of Disney and a few others that don't let their movies go into these independent things. Mm-hmm. Years and years ago, my wife and I tried to put together a charity event. And we wanted to show a Disney movie, a Marvel movie, a Star Wars movie, something like that, right, mm-hmm. that would inherently just get people to come. We really tried for Star Wars and we approached a few places and they said, we can't get the rights to Disney movies. Right. They just don't let them go. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, Disney holds their catalog very tight for showing them, like you could rent a a theater and I think play your own Blu-ray, but you can't have a promoted event based around a Star Wars movie unless it is explicitly sponsored or you have the direct permission from Disney, which is never going to happen. And so no. that's what's killing like, you immediately for those movie chains. If you take Disney out of the picture, you take Pixar, Disney Studios, Star Wars, Marvel, right, like all the Fox stuff immediately gone. And that's yeah. like half of your movie catalog. You oh. still have access to WB and Universal and stuff like that. But that's what's hurting those chains. And then you start to layer in the Amazon's like Amazon produced air right? Mm-hmm. So wouldn't, would that movie ever saw the light of day? Who knows if Amazon didn't buy it too? It's never going to go to an independent chain because it goes straight from the money making big chains directly onto Amazon prime. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of interesting in that spec aspect is that the, that the studios are really killing that because the idea of direct to consumer is to pull people directly from the theaters back over to this service. Yeah, And you're trying to pull eyeballs and that, that formula seemingly is, is evolving kind of in front of our eyes and we have seen this whole thing unfold through the pandemic and into now where the concept of streamers and the money being dumped into it is unrealistic and unsustainable and they're having to move away from this model of dump billions of dollars in for returns that are in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And so like, you're not seeing the the value there. But the, the we'll get to the streamers like right in a second, but just on the marketing piece of it, and I wonder if this kind of folds into it, is that we now have the ability because we have so much information at our fingertips, trailers, and we always had trailers, but now they're accessible. You can watch them on your phone. You can watch them anywhere you want. You have ex- access to the directors, the actors on Twitter. You have mm-hmm. access to hundreds and hundreds of critics. You've got fan movements. You've got hashtag movements. You've got all this stuff that allows you to make a relatively informed decision
1: mm-hmm. on
0: a movie to say pass or not pass. Where you're you're, we're not saying, well, we watch a trailer. If it's a good cut trailer, I'm intrigued enough to go see it. And then you make that decision after the theater, whether you liked it or not. Mm-hmm. Now you can basically make a decision on a movie without even seeing a frame of it in the theater. Yeah. You can say, oh no, I heard that's crap on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not going to see that. I'm not paying that.
1: Mm-hmm. So like
0: our ability to make a, I wouldn't, I won't say an educated decision, but a an informed decision of sorts is is so accessible now that we're deciding to not see movies sometimes without even watching the trailer. Oh, I heard it was bad. Oh, yeah. My buddy said it was no good, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're not we're not being exposed in the same way we used to. We're being overexposed to opinions,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: that's swaying the movie going thing. So like the marketing is when I look at it and they, they spent two hundred million dollars to market this movie, like yeah. that isn't an, that's an insane number, right? But like, is that how far is that penetrating into society? Like, are they actually getting returns on billboards still? And you know, it's it's all. Twitter and word of mouth mm-hmm. is the key. We've seen this with Guardians. Word of mouth is strong. It continues to do well. Yeah. So like the marketing aspect, it is just like I I can't I can't figure I'm not an insider or anything like that, so I can't figure it out. But the like all of that is is kind of creating this very interesting landscape where we're currently residing in, where we have the theaters. They're doing well, they're strong again, but there is still this offset in the streamers like fast X didn't do phenomenal mm-hmm. in the theaters this past weekend and and so my question to you man is is what, what what's going on with the streamers like where do you think <laughs> this is going from a man that advocated from day one against the streamers against going fully digital like of course you're supportive of it you have services and all that you have kids mm-hmm. that you like the library but they're just libraries, it seems, and like I was on the other side of the spectrum, mm-hmm. and now I'm kind of sitting in the middle. I see the value <laughs> in them, but I also see, like, from a business side of things, how it's just completely unsustainable. So, I guess my my question is: Will the streamers continue to be a components of of the film industry, yeah. or do you see them kind of fading?
1: Well, um, I'll, I'll touch on that uh, one second, but I actually just want to go back on one of the things you were talking about: Disney and uh, we mentioned, like, when Disney purchased Fox, um, I know, like, a lot of people are like, oh, now we get to see, like, X-Men in the MCU and they're excited for it. But, like, there was, like, such a negative, um, that's, that was such a negative um, impact to, like, the independent theaters mm. because Fox had some of the, like, most replayed movies of all time. Like, I talked about, I saw Alien, Aliens um, in theaters. Predator,
0: like Predator
1: on those like low budget indie theaters. Home Alone every Christmas.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know those independent theaters would rely on Home Alone every Christmas coming out, and those midnight showings of Rocky Horror Picture, right? Yes. Like those ones, like are I, I would love to go to one of those and and watch it and experience it where people would dress up and like say the lines and it was just like seemed like a ton of fun. But Disney is kind of kibosh that. So like those independent theaters can't rely on those like classics from Disney. So they're going to have to find movies from like WB or Sony to like, mm-hmm. to, to show those. Um, and then, you you know, you mentioned like the marketing and stuff and it's, it's so true. Like we have such an informed opinion or, you know, but it's like, it's informed, but it's like, it's just like correct. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just, it's just noise out there. Like back in the day, If you wanted to see a movie, you would listen to two guys, Roger and Ebert. Mm -hmm. Roger Ebert and uh, Gene Siskel, right? They give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down or one in the middle. And I've actually gone back a lot lately and like watched on YouTube just like classic episodes of those shows. And like they were so good because they would they would say a movie and maybe they would give it a thumbs down, but they would explain like here's what the movie is about. And a lot of times they like both give it a thumbs down, but like they would talk about it in such a way that it would like pique my interest that I would go watch it. It wasn't just a number. Like if they were doing the rotten tomatoes, uh, you know, counting method, it would have a score of zero. Cause they both gave it a thumbs down, but like, that doesn't tell you anything, a no. score of like 49 versus 51. Like this isn't basketball. Like <laughs> the higher number doesn't necessarily mean there's so many other factors where, you know, Ebert and Siskel, um, I guess it's Cisco and Ebert. <laughs> they would like, um, they would give you like an informed opinion, and you'd kind of make your own opinion because it wasn't just a number. It was like, here's a three minute explanation of why I gave it a bad rating. You know, I didn't. And that like, wasn't like
0: widely accessible. Like it was, but it mm-hmm. wasn't the same way you just like log on to a thing and oh, 50% oh no, I'm not going. Right? Yeah. And, and like, and that's like, it's an aggregate of all this, and and that's why like Cinema Score I think has become super important where mm-hmm. it's. Like Carlos explained it to me one time. It's just like a bunch of questions are asked and it's based on those. Like, would you recommend to a friend? Would you come see it again? Uh, okay. These type of things. Right. So mm-hmm. it's not just like a yes, no, mm-hmm. it's a, it's, it's like, it's a lot more gray and there's like, it's, there's things built into it. And so like cinema score seems to be the way to go when it comes to, to that stuff. But then you, mm-hmm. you blog it on Twitter and it's like, this is garbage. This is amazing. This is the best yeah. movie ever made. This movie is dumpster fire like it's it's so hard to you know we've always expressed like go and see the movie like yeah have an opinion yourself but
1: but I I feel like like sometimes like like it's just like the public persuasion like goes so quickly like a film like I mentioned Morbius or Shazam 2 didn't have the greatest opening weekends but then like everyone that was like the conversation of those films was how bad the box office those Mm. opening weekends were it wasn't you know, the film was okay, the film was bad, the film was good. This film is failing. It made 30 million opening weekend. It's a disaster. And that was the entire discussion. No one was, like, saying, like, it's a pretty good film, like or I liked it, or I didn't like it. It was just, it's a disaster at the box office. And the more people read it, and the more people tweeted about it and talked about it, then the, the more made people not want to go see it. And, yeah. and then the second weekend just was even worse. You, you know, yeah. like, it kind of, like, really tanked the films was that discussion and it moves so quickly, you know, like back in the day films would have like a, you know, a solid weekend and then like people would still kind of want to go see it. You know, you talk to like a friend at work, but like nowadays it's like you, you see like, you know, like you're inundated with like hundreds of tweets about like a film before you even see it. And then you're like, Oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go see it now. And it almost
0: doesn't matter for the box office the way that things are coming out though. Right. Mm Because, If if fact sex doesn't do well, that's okay. I'll go see across the Spider-Verse next weekend or Transformers the weekend after or Indie the weekend after that. And,
1: mm-hmm. and so like oh, the, it's crazy and
0: movies become and like streamers, I think have contributed to this, but they've become disposable as well, mm-hmm. where it's like in and out. That's like it's it's a flash in the pan and it's done. When you look at some of like the bigger movies over the last couple of years, like Avatar 2, it had a huge window it Like came out in. What December, and I think it was in theaters until like middle of the summer. Top Gun Two, I looked at it today. It came out in May, and it was in theaters until Labor Day, making over a hundred million, or making over, I think, a million dollars a weekend. Like, yeah, it it, the entire summer it was out for.
1: Oh yeah, like you bring up a good point. Like the theatrical window is shrinking more and more. Like I looked it up, so now it's forty five days
0: for I Disney believe. movies. Yeah,
1: and some of them are only seventeen, and That's like. Insane. It's insane. Like, so there's no way for a film to like get that cultural impact because it's like, it's the turnover is so quick. Like you mentioned, like Fast X. Oh well, well there's Spider Verse. Oh well, there's Indiana Jones Five. Oh well, there's The Flash. Films don't stay in the public consciousness as long as they used to. Like, like Jurassic Park. Like Jurassic Park is like your jam. So like the first Jurassic Park, I looked this up. So it stayed in theaters for over a year and um yeah stayed in theater for over a year and it was playing actually in a hundred screens when it was released on home video in 94 and like jurassic world came out like dominion came out last year and that film made like a billion dollars like it's not like that film bombed at all that film okay so it was opened in june of 2022 and it was released in home video of august 2022 and it was probably like in streaming before then right Weeks Like before that yeah but
0: it, it it's funny too because like the windows and like it, things catching fire like something mm-hmm. that jumps jumps to mind there when you're talking about like the culture impact and is it important that it catches or it makes that culture impact in theaters or can it catch fire like shawshank fight club like uh like a lot of those boudin saints like a lot mm-hmm. of these movies that that have this like cult following all was captured in the post-theatric run but like that was all
1: it... like through rentals and home video right
0: but people still but people now have access to it on streamers and so i come back to the question about streamers and like mm-hmm. like for a movie like air to to get like it like, I think they're putting these movies in theaters to make a bit of money, but also so they get like Oscar consideration mm-hmm. in that. Right. right. Yes. A certain run. Yep. But like, I think I think streamers, although you don't get that same experience about going to blockbuster, they're serving a similar purpose where you get exposed to things that you normally wouldn't have. You can a movie can find a cult following inside of a streamer because it's it's widely available and people are are just like oh what am i doing on you know thursday night well maybe i'll check this movie out and so like i think the streamers they have a purpose and i think they will serve as a purpose but like more fundamentally it seems they are your digital blockbuster videos your digital rogers videos where Like, I think this idea of them spending billions of dollars on Lord of the Rings shows and Mm -hmm. and Star Wars shows and Marvel shows, like, I think like that's really going to be scaled back and we have to kind of accept the streamer for, for kind of what it is and like most fundamentally. And it's a library that you have access to.
1: Like, like my biggest concern with streaming and and the future of like movies via streaming is like the main thing is like, you, you mentioned like Shawshank or like Boondock Saints, like, back in the day you go to Blockbuster and like the movie you wanted to see was like, say like this big, you know, Jurassic Park was all rented out. So you had to find something, right? Mm-hmm. You would go and then someone working there would be like, oh, well, you know, this film Shawshank Redemption, you know, it's really good, but like no one really saw it in theaters. It's kind of outside Jurassic Park. Um, go give it a go. And you'd rent it because you're like, well, I'm already here. I got to rent something. I'm not going to come home empty handed. So you'd rent it. With streamers, there's like an algorithm, so you kind of only like mm-hmm. watch what you watch. So you would never like be tempted outside your comfort zone. So like first off, Jurassic Park would never not be on a streamer, you know, like it would never be sold out. So you say, Okay, I'm gonna watch Jurassic World Dominion and you would watch it. And then it'd say, Okay, well if you like that, let me suggest these movies. And then they would suggest Fast and the Furious, for example, or Jurassic Park five or you know, but they would never sh- suggest well, you watch Jurassic world. now you're gonna have to watch now now I suggest you watch Shawshank, right? Mm-hmm. Like you would never be drawn to that where I feel like like a movie like Shawshank would kind of just live in obscurity. like it would be so hard to like change the public opinion of like a movie like that nowadays, like if that came out in theaters and it did poorly and then it came out on streaming like like eventually like the turnover, it would just like get trampled by like the next big thing. It would be like
0: just too much stuff
1: there's just so much stuff yeah like it's so hard and like you you talk about like we're talking about just movies but like think about tv shows too right oh yeah Like, like you're like okay well i'm gonna watch this tv show or this tv show or this tv show so you would just watch the show or then you you'd like watch the movie and it would just like the algorithm would just tell you like what to watch so it's it's like a library but it's not like there's no librarian There's Mm -hmm. no curator. It's an AI. Yeah, like, that's all it is. It's just, like, it's an algorithm that says, well, you watch this.
0: Hello, Tim. You would like this. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, and, and, like, that's fine. Like, if you want to just, like, watch stuff, like, not everything has to be, like, just, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's it's fine. Like, if you're just going to, like, watch what you like, and then that's it. But, like, if you wanted to, like, kind of grow as, like, watching like independent cinema or world cinema or um you know just like the different kinds of like cinema like out there like I feel like 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 theaters and cinema is like like movies are like this big thing where like when I was like growing up I used to think like if it's not a big Hollywood blockbuster the movie probably sucks (laughs) you know and like I don't think like that way at all like now I'm like like watching like all these like different films from like around the world and like different varying budgets and about different topics. And it's not just about like action films and stuff. And it's like, because like I've been exposed to this, like I feel like richer. I I don't know. Like that might sound like pretentious, but it's like, it's like, if you go to like a restaurant and you only eat like chicken. Well, like, like if you just like only go to McDonald's, for example, and, and then someone, like, says, like, hey, what's a what's a good restaurant to eat? Like, oh, McDonald's. But, like, there's, like, a small, cha- you know, small burger joint down the street that is way smaller than McDonald's that, like, you know, like, but it makes better better quality burgers. But, like, you wouldn't know that unless, like, you've experienced, like, all the different burger joints in your city. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just, like, broadening the horizon of, like, what you... What you watch and i feel like with streaming it doesn't do a good job at that
0: i think it does a job at making things accessible but i think the essence of this and i think where we're gonna land with this podcast today because i think we're gonna have to come back for a part two is that opening up your horizons and i think what that really requires is to find someone you trust a guy like Sanjay, a guy like Carlos, <laughs> people that, ex- no, seriously though, yeah. people that experience these things, our friends at Vigilante 1939, they, everyone, they're kind of going out and finding these little, these little films, or they're really invested in like you going back and, and trying to find things of old that you missed. And I think it's really about finding someone that you trust and trust in that space to try to help guide you through this, because, like we've mentioned the noise on streamers the noise in the theaters the trying to recapture some of those things from your youth or it's always going to be difficult and you're always going to run yourself up against time but i heard air was good i saw it on the streamer and i watched it mm-hmm. i would have never really gone to it otherwise and so there there's this kind of this purpose behind all this is trying to just really look back at what our experiences were, what provided the foundation specifically kind of for you as you've grown, like I've kind of devolved as a movie (laughs) and and you've really refined and evolved. And so there's two different paths that we go. And I think that there's got to be this broad recognition that like the theater is an experience, the streamer supplements that, but it's never going to be that same experience. And so I think Holistically here, man, you know, the movie experience is it's alive and well. Mm-hmm. And I think the the whole thing is, you know, how can we how can we help grow that? How can we go out there and influence and and potentially drive some of this this change or innovation and in all of it? And I think it's really is is speaking with your dollars, is how you really influence things. Going to the globe, you know, advocating for a film. Going and seeing a film opening weekend, you know, supporting a streamer movie that came out that never hit the theaters or something to that effect, and so it, it's funny because we started this podcast by talking about a singular experience, one thing that we remember, mm-hmm. and as we get to the end of this experience, you've got everything from streamers to big movies to independent stuff to you know debating the idea of, of physical versus digital releases and all this, and so we've went from this single experience and we're still trying to capture that <laughs> inside of kind of a crazy modern world. And, and that's the thing I think that we got to hold on to you guys is, is really trying to capture that experience is that cinema is it's still alive. And I had an experience with guardians this weekend. It was the best cinematic experience I think I've had since either the Batman or, or end game. Like it was just mm-hmm. like a sat down, I watched it and it was just an experience and I really enjoyed it. So it's, oh. um,
1: Like, like I just want to say, like I I know I like always rag on streaming and stuff, like, and I have my reasons for it. But like, you're right. Like, streaming does have a place. Um, It It has a
0: place, but it's not taking over. I think, like the thing I think that you've always been strong in supporting is that it is not an alternative. It is Mm -hmm. part of the landscape. Like that's yeah. where, it, like, and I was on the other side of the fence at one point on that. I was like, Nope, this is the alternative and this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, I think it's, it's just, it's become part of the experience, but it's not the experience.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And like, um, you know, you, you, you mentioned a, a great point, like bringing your daughter to see guardians three. Like I brought my kids to see the new super Mario movie and, and they loved it. And like, mm. that's like an experience that I'm going to take with me. Like, I will cherish that moment as much as I cherished seeing Batman forever with my Mm. dad. And I hope, you know, my kids, when they are older and they, if they have their own podcast and they're talking about movie theaters and hopefully they're still around. um, Hopefully they're talking about that experience. And I I think like part of what makes me so passionate about theaters is like, I've had like such a wonderful Mm -hmm. life of going to movies and like when COVID hit, Like, I know, like I said, like theaters are coming back, like, but like, I didn't know that for a fact. Mm. Like, I think for the first time in my life, when COVID hit, I got really scared that theaters would go the way of Blockbuster. Like, I never thought that renting a movie would be a foreign concept to my kids. When I was growing up, I thought, you know, I would like, oh, I'll take them Friday night and we'll go pick out three kids movies for a dollar kind of thing. Mm. And then it went away. And I was like, well, I still got theaters and I got all my physical movies that they can just go check out at home. But then when COVID hit, like for the first time in my life, I was legitimately scared that I would not be able to take my kids to a theater or the theater experience would be vastly different. You know, I thought like a movie like Super Mario Brothers would just be straight on streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, Tro- Trolls World Tour went straight to streaming yeah. universal.
0: I remember and, that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: And that was a big deal. And they're like, they cut out the theatrical window. And I understand at the time they needed to make money. But I, it was such a hit that like I was I was worried. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I honestly thought theaters will go away in five years.
0: I uh, thought they were too. I thought They, yeah. were, they were going the way of blockbuster
1: hundred percent hundred percent and you know i just uh i don't know like since um you know see those big movies like top gun um spider-man um you know those movies avatar that make so much money that keep the theaters afloat like we need those Hmm. (laughs) we need those or else we're not gonna get anything right and and it's just like i just i don't know like if you've been back post-covid but do you cherish the experience more like do you like just soak it all in and just be like, wow, like we're back, <laughs> you know, like, like, like
0: yeah, two degree. I think it's, it's much more on the your point about like, I'm now starting to share that experience and mm-hmm. like create, create the memories that were created when I was young yeah. and the importance of doing that mm-hmm. more so than me being like overjoyed. Like I love the movies for the exact reason. It's a single place you can go mm-hmm. on planet earth to do one thing and i love experiencing those with with like minded people but i think now it's it's about introducing my kids to that experience the movie experience and having them grow and foster their own core memories if we mm-hmm. can come back to that at the start yeah. with with movie going um i think that that's what's really all about and
1: yeah that's late- a special part of it Oh yeah and like you know you mentioned like before we are talking like before we started recording like you mentioned like we were talking about like Jurassic Park and ET and you got like the the VHSs of them and, and stuff like that um but like that's such like a core you know like important movie to you as a kid because you, you probably saw that as a kid and you know and it just like grew with you that you had to like like I bet you can't wait to show your kids those movies oh, yeah. right like you have like this passion and you just really you know you just that the day you show them that movie, it's going to be like one of the happiest days of the year for you. It's going to be like Christmas when you, sh- when you show your kids those movies. And, and I feel like, you know, if, if you get that in, in, in streaming, like, I feel like it wouldn't like capture the imagination as much as like going out to a theater. Like, I feel like when my kids see a movie streaming, it, it's in and out, you know, well, but, like, like they don't
0: even so they didn't watch the whole thing. Like, it's yeah. like pulling teeth.
1: <laughs> like, oh, Do I have to finish this movie? <laughs> I'm like, just
0: up and playing and doing different things, and so it's 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 not the same experience, and it and it becomes disposable, like that yeah. experience, right? You're like eh, it's on the couch. You know, I don't feel like doing this anymore. But it, uh, it's
1: content. That that's yeah. all it is. It's just ones and zeros. Where it's just content. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, well, I'll watch this movie. It, it didn't grab my attention. You know, and it's not just kids. It's like people people now. But it's like it didn't grab my attention within the first five minutes. What else do we have? Or Next let me check my phone. And then you miss it. And, and you know, the film gets really good. And then someone asks you, how was that film? You're like, I don't know. It was okay. It was fine. I didn't like it kind of thing. Where are in the past. You're in the theater. You mentioned you can't check your phone or you shouldn't check your phone. And if you do, I'll be like, what are you doing, buddy? But
0: <laughs> what is your time? To- you can't be a Tommy texter. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. Right. Or, or a, or a talker. And, a and you know, we, we, we talked about, the good stuff of theaters but like there was some bad stuff you know we mentioned like the bringing out the phone the talking the texting
0: you get inside you know, loud people smelly people
1: like <laughs> or, or like you go to a people. horror movie and people are laughing when there's like a scary scene that like and it just like wrecks it for you you're just like never come experienced on. a horror
0: movie in, in theaters.
1: <laughs> oh fair. you should it's so good like when you Too get fair. to see a truly epic scary movie and we're talking about like the experience of people. But when you see like a scary movie in theaters with a group of people and people are gasping and people are nervous and it's quiet, you can hear a pin drop. And then like this like jump scare happens or like this other scare, like the killer comes out. It, it is so much more effective. Oh, seeing I'm sure a it horror is. movie in a theater full of like <laughs> random people. I mean, seeing it at home is great, too. And I watch, you know, at home a lot. But when you see it in the theater and you don't know what's going to happen and the person next to you jumps and spills their popcorn and stuff, it's just it adds it. And, you know, and, and not even just horror films, but like Endgame, like that thing was like,
0: that was like. the best movie going experience I've ever had in my whole life.
1: Yeah, like that thing was crazy. People were cheering. It was like it was like a sport sporting event. <laughs> like, it was, it was like,
0: Unbelievable.
1: Right, and and if that if that movie had been delayed by a year,
0: Ugh, what is I? I'm so thankful that that came out before COVID.
1: Right, like that would have completely changed how that film. I don't know what Disney would have done, because there's no way they would have just thrown that free on Disney Plus. That that was like a three billion dollar movie. There's no way they were gonna do that, but it would have been delayed for like a long time.
0: Yeah, and shoves everything back, but right? it's all about that, all about that experience, brother. Well, let's let's yeah. let's call it there. I think you know yeah, we, we got a lot out there, and we'd love to hear, you know, anyone else's opinions on on their first movie going experiences, their memories, and and kind of some of the stuff we discussed here. We kind of took a, a meandering route from from the beginning to present, and and here here it is we lie with the the movie going experience. So Sanjay, it's been great having you back on the pod here. I'm really glad we got to kind of sit down and chat about. About yeah. movies. So uh tell people what you're doing now, man. Like can people still find you online? Are you still kind of just poking around? What
1: are you doing? I'm literally you know, dabbling dabbling my uh thumbs and everything. I'm in uh once in a while in the uh delayed offside podcast talking mm-hmm. hockey. Uh a little sad that my flames didn't make the playoffs this year, but I had to wait till the leafs were eliminated from the playoffs before I could come on the nerd room or else <laughs> I'd never hear the end of this. So um I'm also on Twitter. Um I think uh, at sunjabi you can find me there um, and I'm you know I'm really like as I said like I'm really like kind of trying to watch d- different kinds of movies and I'm still buying movies like they're going out of business <laughs> I'm, I'm single-handedly supporting the uh, home home video market right now <laughs>
0: Home video market the 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 rental market the uh buying back old vhs tapes something you do oh at all.
1: VHS tapes are so much fun to like the best, right? Like I love them too. And you know, you kind of like brought up laser discs and now I own 20 laser discs. (laughs) So thanks Tim for that. (laughs) They're they're coming back, baby.
0: Yeah. We're going to, we're going to single handedly bring them back in in the city of Calgary. So absolutely, yeah, Yeah, brother. You're, you're an OG, OG of the, the nerd room podcast was awesome having you on here and I'm looking forward to chatting with you again and for me my handles at the end of the episode for twitter you can find everything that I do over the nerdroom.net. and if you want to hit us up and have a discussion about this twitter or uh email at the nerd at gmail.com and that uh, guys thanks so much sunny it's been a pleasure so i guess with all of that being said for the nerd room i'm tim
1: and i'm sanjay
0: thank you guys so much for entering the nerd room this has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim and Carlos, on Twitter at TheNerdRM and CDN Kate Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net and The Nerd Room YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room.